बास चूजे पर झपटा उठा ले गया कहानी सच्ची है पर अच्छी नहीं लगती बास पर पलटवार हुआ कहानी सच्ची तो नहीं लगती पर खुदा कसम बहुत अच्छी लगती है हेलो फूटिजेंस वी आर बैक विद आवर न्यू एपिसोड ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट दिस इज ऑर्को एंड विथ मी आई एफ मयूक हेलो या सो वी आर गोइंग टू टॉक अबाउट a continent and its love affair with football africa the vibrant continent that has given us so, so many famous players down the years and we'll talk about how football evolved in africa how football the state of football is in africa right now and about the good times africa had in football and also some controversies we'll also discuss about why africa hasn't flourished as it was meant to be when pele said that by the end of the 20th century africa world cup winner so today to talk about africa and football we have with us rohit rohit is mayuk's friend and who takes keen interest in football in africa so over to you mayuk please introduce us to rohit yeah thank you very much hi rohit a warm welcome to you in this podcast okay. i uh, yeah so i know you have been uh, a big follower of uh, this podcast uh, ever since it was launched and also you had come up with a lot of suggestions and you had helped us with a lot of input so uh, so first of all i want to really thank you for that secondly just to introduce all the listeners rohit is basically a mumbai guy just like me but rohit is now staying in toronto canada and he is joining us from there so for the first time our podcast is going is going global so thank you rohit for that <laughs> no thank you so much guys for having me <laughs> yeah so brief a brief introduction of rohit rohit happens to be an analyst we used to work with he was my old colleague now he has moved to canada he is well settled there and he works as a works as an analyst there but uh, apart from that he is a huge football fan and uh, rohit is an ardent liverpool fan so congratulations rohit for a fantastic season and uh, congratulations for the premier league win which which, which do hurts me in a uh, in a big way but but that doesn't stop me from congratulating you <laughs> yeah thank you so much guys i know that must have been very hard for you to say mayuk <laughs> but but I, you you are one of the few united fans that appreciate uh, liverpool football and likewise for me as a liverpool fan i only appreciate the red half of manchester uh, yeah, mayuk and that's so that is why we we got along really well so yes orko wants to say something Yeah, I am saying that Mayuk is much much more of a fan of Klopp than Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, really true. So uh, just to give you a brief introduction, uh, a brief introduction about Rohit. Rohit uh, was a player in right back position. He had uh, he was a uh, he represented his school 
as um, as a regular one and and he was also a member of uh, father agnell's uh, college team uh, in the mumbai local league so uh, and 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 uh, my uh, i am being i am fortunate enough to have been i have played with rohit in one of the tournaments and, uh, and and i got to learn a lot from him so thank you rohit once again for joining us in this podcast thank and you. it is lovely to have you thank you thank you so much guys thank you for having me right thank so rohit so start off yes. uh, with the first question that why do you take interest in african football i mean it's not something that we see every day yeah i mean this this has been uh, a journey for me uh, so I, it it actually dates back to the uh, my my first days of watching football so i like pretty much everyone else here loves an underdog story uh and uh, i i like to see uh, when a team uh, when a team goes up against like when a minnow goes up against a juggernaut uh, and all odds are stacked against them and yet they end up uh showing a fascinating uh fight they, they put up a fascinating fight they end up uh uh showing some extremely uh, good competition uh despite having fewer resources than the opposition team so which which uh kind of uh, you know takes me back to 2002 world cup when i first saw senegal and mind you i did watch uh football before then i did watch uh the 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 1998 world cup final that was my first ever football match in my entire life that was uh, uh france versus brazil and uh, after i watched that world cup watching senegal perform the way they did in the 2002 world cup was was just breathtaking i mean no one no one expected senegal to do as good as they did in that competition like everyone all of my friends who knew more about me more about football than me were of the opinion that senegal is just just another minnow in the competition and they'll get they just get blown away by any country and the way they showed that fight that resilience the way they played against some of the big names in that competition was was simply outstanding and that's when uh, i i watched uh, Uh, like the senegalese football team and that's when i started gaining a lot of interest in african football because i saw the potential there el hajjou on a light and note i just want to say we were among the few who actually believed that uh, senegal would uh, who actually didn't believe that senegal would actually uh, beat france without zidane because even we thought even without zidane france is a very strong unit we yeah. actually thought that exactly Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for anyone, for anyone who's just started watching football, like for someone like me, uh, I knew that. I, so for me, I thought that France is going to win it again because that's what I've been watching and hearing. And back then, we did not have so much exposure, right, to uh, to world football as such. Uh, the match that we watched were Premier League games, and even those games were of either Manchester United or Arsenal, right, because they, they were the top two teams back then. So. uh for me uh thinking of any other country of to win the world cup at the mere age of 12 was just stupidity right so that's why i just went with france as like france is definitely going to win this world cup again because they won it in 1998 but then when senegal just you know like with their sheer will power and just with discipline and with tactics uh beat a country like france as like wait what the hell is this 
and that's when it opened a new door for me the the door of the underdog and since then i've been i've been a sucker for underdog stories and 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 that's why i've been following african football so much that's that's really a nice story that's absolutely a nice story to follow because there there are very similarities between the way um, you view football and i uh, view football because we both started with uh, watching france being the world champion and there are similar instances where where i actually can relate with whatever whatever you are saying because i actually whatever you said that that was exactly what i i thought because because even i thought france would be winning that world cup exactly and when they played against and also the fact that was the last time the the winning the winning team actually didn't play the uh, the didn't have to play the world cup qualifiers because sure. after that the rule changed yeah since france yeah. won uh france got knocked off in the first round yeah, after that the rule changed that the, the defending champ even the defending champions had to play had to play their qualifiers to qualify for the next world cup Correct. so in in a sense what we can we can uh, assume is senegal had brought this revolution so senegal actually made sure this this change uh, came uh, actually fifa thought about this change so this change was brought forth, forth by senegal yeah absolutely well it's uh, now over to orko orko i am sure you uh, you uh, have a lot to add about african football so africa made its uh, big debut in world stage in 1934 as egypt played the world cup for the first time and then there was a a big gap uh, before african teams started making regular appearances at the world cup but africa in all uh i mean its glory found its stage in world football through the hands of a man who was uh the architect of african dream for the world cup glory uh, he was roger miller the cameroonian striker who made headlines after defeating after playing a pivotal role in defeating the world champions back then argentina led by maradona in 1990 world cup like uh, mayuk you would agree that what pele said about him absolutely like uh, he suddenly took the world by storm uh, because nobody after the performances in 1986 world cup i think very few uh, even lesser than few i i would say would have thought that cameroon would be actually upsetting the maradona's argentina as you said and uh, but but they managed to do it and that was the first announcement of argent uh, of the of any african nation that they can actually make it big and they can actually overturn the tables so what do you say rohit yeah absolutely i mean uh, roger miller definitely sent shock waves uh, throughout the world especially with his is his famous celebration right <laughs> the one right. where he, where he would run towards the goal post and he uh, he does the dance so yeah <laughs> yeah so so that was that was that was entertaining to watch and that was uh, a disruption of some sort like mayuk said that was africa's statement to the world that we are coming for 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 that golden trophy very soon i mean um, when pro- probably when the whole world thought that nobody would would lay their hands on maradona's argentina this man just 
waltzes way into onto the field in through argentina's defense and just and and basically he just said the he just said the way for young emerging african superstars of the future right Uh, so he was a uh, inspiration to a generation and after probably a decade or two we right now we have some great african players over the last two decades i guess absolutely uh, absolutely and i think, and I think uh, like you, you need a disruption like that you need a generational talent like that to spark a revolution for for the next next generation to come right so roger miller was probably the inspiration for some of the greats of today's time some of the great african players of today's time yeah samuel eto uh, did a drug bar to start with Yeah, hi. Uh, so let's get into uh, some fun event. So I'm just uh, I I'll just ask Rohit about his uh, five or six most favorite African players, whom he thinks uh, has a lot of contribution to the world of football. So Rohit, go for it. All right. Sure. So first, uh, I'll start off with uh, a very a very underrated but hardworking player and a very talented player as well. I mean. a lot of people don't bring up his name when it comes to african greats uh, but i think uh, chelsea's very own michael essien uh, deserves deserves some praise to be one of the influential players in africa what do you think and orko will definitely have something to say about this yeah exactly all i can all i can think of when the name comes up is let parler again jens lehmann in the arsenal Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a worldy of a goal, definitely. And then uh, that that infamous goal against Barcelona as well. Uh, on sorry, that that really cool goal on an infamous night rather, where Chelsea were robbed. Yeah, that that really stole stole the match. Absolutely. So I mean, I that goal was definitely a match winner. But the way that entire game was conducted by the referees just just went to show how deep Barcelona's pockets are. <laughs> yeah. So the next the next uh, players, not player that I'm going to talk about, are of course uh, Drogba's uh, teammates from the golden generation of uh, Ivory Coast football team. Uh, they are none other than the Toure brothers. Uh, these guys are just. they are just they're just entertaining to watch whether it's on the field or off the off the field and they are such great human beings uh like even within their squad members they have such uh such great fans that people have created like their own players have created a song about them which goes by ya 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 to re colo 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 so that's 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 a really uh that's a really uh, that's an amazing brotherly duo that has ruled african football for quite some time and uh, and uh, most uh, obviously they never played in the same team so there was a uh, there was a huge rivalry between these two players when they used to lock horns in premier league and and we uh, we were lucky enough to uh, to actually enjoy this rivalry over the years and, yeah for uh, a brief period yeah but for a brief period mayuk they played in manchester city together 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 so yes, so yes. that was a brief period but yes they have played 
but but they hardly played together if i'm not wrong yeah yeah they hardly played together but, he was a, a rival at arsenal when uh, he was i mean yaya toure was in uh, barcelona and then he moved on to city and he became one of the city legends he has a statue outside the etihad stadium uh, and uh, he's a big thing in premier league like some of his goals were just i mean outstanding i mean he could turn the game on its head whenever he wished to or pushed his game up he that lazy run in the midfield i'm yes. sure that that's that's a beautiful thing to watch in a game yeah and speaking of which orgo so uh, so uh, when when we look at him uh, uh, you know in our television sets it seems like a very lazy run to us because he yeah. is that kind of a player like he doesn't need to move a lot he's Uh, his presence is uh, just enough but uh, one of my friends had the uh, the the opportunity to watch this guy live uh, when he lived in uh, manchester and he watched a game between manchester city and west ham united and he saw yara toure from uh, you know a very close angle like he was sitting on the sidelines uh, he got a seat right next to uh, the players dugout he watched yara toure run from one end of the pitch to another and 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 he was nothing short of a horse a stallion that is how my friend described him like if he if 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 a person had to stand in his way he would just team roll past him that is how big and strong he was so yeah i mean uh, that that physical presence along with his ability to read the game and turn it around its head just made made him a lethal weapon for uh, manchester city and of course for uh, for his national country, national team as well Okay, so so uh, come on to the next next player of your choice. So since we are talking about duos, uh, since we are talking about two players at a time, I would also like to mention another duo, uh, which in very recent times have made a name for themselves, and uh, they are somewhat uh, you know uh, messias in their own ways and in their own countries because of things they do off the pitch for uh, people in their region. I'm talking about. Uh, Liverpool's own Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. Right, the deadly duo. Along with yeah. the Brazilian. Yeah. I just want to tell you something. Uh, Hindi-speaking supporters of uh, Man United often refer refer them as Saleh, Salah and Mane together as Saleh. <laughs> I can understand the disdain. <laughs> yeah, the thing no, there. Honestly, a huge bit of respect for them. because because i was reading an article about them these guys uh, during the ramzan uh, because there was a huge uproar in the media that these guys are playing uh, they, they are following the ramzan norms and they are playing football so the manager was asked lost real madrid these players how are you allowing these players to follow the ramzan norm and he said i am not going to interfere with anybody's uh, for, uh, religious belief i am just I, i am just here to see that whether they are performing for the team as long as they are performing i don't i i just give a damn however they are doing it's up to their choice and i just don't need and and that is when i i realized that, that what pain and what what pain these guys are taking in 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 actually because we all know how much uh, nutrition is important uh, for playing a football game and to prepare yourself so being a liverpool fan how how do you see it for me when so there were there were two instances where they had to uh follow uh their ramadan uh duties one of them of course both of them were champions league finals one of them was against real madrid the other one was against tottenham 
and uh, being a liverpool supporter i keep getting these articles about uh, latest updates so when i heard when i read about this in the new in 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 the blogs i just my respect for them just grew by by a million times because i know how it is to to even play on the field let alone play without eating we we know we've all played right so we know how important uh, nutrition is how important energy getting energy or dose of energy or dose of carbohydrates is before any big game and we used to play at a very like a very normal level i wouldn't even call it moderate level these guys play at the highest level possible at such with uh, and they they have uh, uh, they have such high expectations uh there are demanding standards so for them to fast during that during those two games and and still put up a display which was uh, so still in the case of real madrid put up a display which was worthy of a uh, uh, worthy of praise and against tottenham uh, which was worthy of the the trophy itself uh, was just commendable i mean uh that's when that's what goes to show about them uh even during the celebrations they completely stay away from uh alcohol they they do celebrate with their teammates but uh, uh they wouldn't take part uh, in any kind of alcoholic uh, you know uh, uh, i would say indulgence uh so yeah and and so that's that's what uh, you know uh, prompted me aside from the fact that they are liverpool players that's what driven me to uh, like them as players and as the human beings in general yeah back home in uh... Uh, in uh, for in case of salah it's egypt and for mane it's uh, senegal again uh, they are messias back home like uh, salah is a dear son to every mother in egypt probably and like he's he has been referred to as the pharaoh and he, they both are live pretty humble lives and they have a lot of uh, i mean charity work going on in africa yes and there is a reason behind that because they their background is so humble they i mean they've come from such uh, poor families that now that they have everything in the world they have access to so much wealth and riches they they want to give back to the to the to the place to the land that made them what they are today uh, i was reading about sadio mane's uh, story and his move to uh, his move to mets uh, fc mets before that this guy didn't even have uh, money to afford a pair of cleats he wore uh, torn shoes torn studs to uh, a tryout in senegal where he was mocked by all the other uh, applicants there all the other players who were uh, trying to, were there for tryouts and this guy just showed his talent and showed how good he was despite wearing uh, shoes that were not fit for football and and that has been his journey and he just made it all the way to the top today he is regarded as uh, i mean arguably he is in the top 5 best players in the world uh, same goes for salah salah has also come from a very humble background and today he gives back to his society by paying people's hospitals bills uh, paying people's uh, uh, grocery bills building hospitals for them building schools for them so these guys have shown the world that uh, you know you don't have to be necessarily be a brand as a footballer you can still be a human being and do several other things and get recognized for that and and even as a manchester united fan i would like to admit the the values in a liverpool team the values are there are similar values which uh, upon which united and liverpool both the teams are built upon and somehow the values of the team and the values of the manager 
somehow reflects and but that doesn't take the credit away from people who are actually doing good so so somehow the values of a team reflects on the players yeah and i think that is one of their selection criterias as well because uh, the the foundation of teams like manchester united and liverpool are built on 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 those principles right the principles of hard work uh, respect and and loyalty loyalty to your friends to your family to your teammates so when you when you hire or when you uh, employ a player who thinks he's about the club it's it's just bad news yes. for the club yes absolutely so yeah, so we, we actually done yes uh, orko yeah probably that's why they didn't get a balotelli <laughs> i mean i i still wonder why liverpool even signed him <laughs> they were probably to, they were they were trying to sell some jerseys i guess <laughs> honestly, honestly i i wonder why uh, city had signed him as a united fan because i have been <laughs> anyway don't forget the eight oh yes of course <laughs> two, so, the one thing <laughs> so, so i i support manchester united and germany so so don't talk to me about balotelli I have very bad Balotelli. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say Mayuk. He's done one. The one good thing that he's done is done in his life. Correction. The two good things that he he's done in his life. Except, I mean, of course, not uh, good for you. <laughs> but the two good things for himself that he's done in his life. <laughs> but once I the only two good things. Whenever I see him, the only thing that pops up in my mind is why always me. <laughs> we understand your pain by <laughs> so 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 uh, we are we are done with uh, the heroes of africa but now i am going to talk uh, with both of you with uh, with a, in a very serious topic because uh, you see africa has produced a lot of uh, lot of talents in the last 20 30 years but south of, uh, africa sorry not south africa africa has somehow failed to go beyond quarter final stage in the world cup and and that is that that is a very shocking fact uh, with the quality of talents they have produced so there is a there is a lot of facts actually uh, i am sure you both of you have a lot to tell about it so so let's start with uh, uh, rohit first and then let's go to orko so just to find out what are the major facts which both of you think has somehow prohibited africa from qualifying beyond the quarter finals in the world cup so rohit it's up to you see uh, one of the reasons why african nations have suffered in world competitions is because of uh, lack of funds uh, and lack of resources uh, that does not go to show that africa african countries are poor or african football uh, federations are poor by any means they get a lot of prize money uh, through player sales and through commercial deals and also through uh, african cup of nations like major competitions like african cup of nations commonwealth games and even the olympics but the problem is uh, the problem is not lack of funds the problem is institutional corruption a lot of these uh, these these top officials these top authorities of african uh, countries just do not do not see the larger picture they look at the more immediate picture which is filling up their own pockets right i mean the moment they get some prize money uh, there is there is some sort of scandal or some sort of corruption or some sort of uh, you know wrong doing that 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 just uh, 
you know that just reverses all the progress that they've made in football in term whether it's through talent development or whether it's in the form of infrastructure uh, for a country to flourish on the world stage there has to be constant investments there has to be a constant build up uh, when you uh, mar an operation through corruption you are basically taking two steps back you may be taking one step ahead but you're going two steps behind and that has been one of the bigger problems of uh, african countries uh right or go over to you the infrastructural and the corruption that you pointed out uh, there has been many instances in uh, in near future as well the 2014 world cup where the ivory coast players uh, complained that their manager was involved in some kind of controversial uh, money laundering and uh, there are also instances of uh, fifa officials being uh, i mean under investigation regarding such incidents but uh, i would also like to point out the fact that uh, because of the war torn conditions of african most many uh, african countries that they migrate towards europe for a better life i mean if they have some kind of a relative who stays in europe uh, they try, that that was a phenomenon back in the days where migrations were easy but Uh, these days certainly the migrations have have uh, come down a lot but uh, many of the players that we talked about including drogba uh, they migrated to france and through france they uh, tried making their entry into the larger leagues of europe um, mayuk yeah absolutely so we had uh, seen a huge brain drain or or we can term uh, it as talent drain from africa to to larger parts of europe and that is not only limited to france this this it's it's it has gone to germany it has gone to belgium some right, parts of right. uk and, and 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 a lot of countries and and, and uh, recently we saw the french team winning the world cup and we can see how many players are of african origin so that quietly suggests how much the talent uh, talent drain has been uh, for the african countries to the world cup and just as uh, both of you suggested i think uh, the lack of infrastructure and not only the lack of infrastructure also the lack of willingness because because big players are coming but still the lack of uh, willingness to build an infrastructure and somehow because because we every uh, every year or so we we see a lot of uh, we see some kind of news which is coming from the african fraternity which we feel shouldn't come it somehow it might uh, be related to corruption or somehow somehow it might be related to black magic or something like that but we all feel that this type of news uh, for football it's 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 a uh, not a healthy news to come so having said that i think uh, all of us have discussed the uh, the problems uh, which the african football is facing but according to me which i i also feel over the years in the world cup africa has been extremely unlucky um, do you guys agree with me on this yes absolutely there have been some instances uh, which we can definitely point out uh, whether they were intentional or not but they certainly go it those instances go to show that uh, africans african countries uh, were undone by by poor officiating or by 
simply uh, by fixtures or or through some other way yeah so so i think uh, let's start with the biggest one i think the disgrace of gijon i think rohit uh, i guess this is one of the fact i came to know from you i guess so it was a west germany versus austria match in molinan stadium gijon spain so will you would you like to elaborate about that Yes, and uh, Mayuk, I'll come back to a very interesting point which you had made at the start of this uh, episode. So, uh, uh, Algeria and Chile were in the same group as uh, West Germany and Austria, and uh, Algeria and Chile had played against each other uh, the day before West Germany and Austria were supposed to play. So back then, uh, before the 1982 World Cup. we didn't have this uh, system of playing the final group game on the same date uh, so one of the games were played a day before and of course uh, it was algeria versus chile so basically germany west germany back then just needed to win this game against austria by one or two goals to qualify along with austria right so there is speculation or controversy rather that uh, west germany and austria uh, struck a deal behind the back uh like behind the scenes to kind of you know uh simulate this match in some way and like everyone imagined uh, germany went 1-0 up in the first 10 minutes and after that for the next 80 minutes there were no serious attempts on goal they were just passing the ball around and they pretty much knew that they had already qualified for the next stage so that was named as that was labeled as a disgrace of gijon and uh, algeria still calls it as uh, a big uh, like uh, a backstab by by both west germany and austria because they did not play in uh, complete fairness and uh, what happened after this is uh, so uh, so again an african country resulted in a sort of a, re- a, a revolution what happened after this is that uh, all uh, final group games had to be played on the same day after the 1982 world cup so fifa made this revision to their group group match system hi so uh, the west germany media the german media back home also slammed the west germany team for playing it loose uh, and um, and most importantly uh, the algerian um, press termed it as an annexus between the austria and german so <laughs> I think that was one of the most black days in the history of football. Of course, I mean football is one game where where the the viewer expects a fair, you know, a level playing field. I mean, in today's uh, scenario, of course, that that is uh, very difficult to attain because some countries or some clubs definitely have more resources than the rest, which is why there is this divide. Uh, but then on the world stage, I think. You, there, there should be there should be fairness there should be total fairness total equality i mean play with all your heart and and play with uh, you know ju- do justice to the game do justice to the name of this game which is the beautiful game absolutely that's correct so now cutting down to uh, 2010 world cup i think orco has a lot to say about that ghana versus uruguay match Orko Yeah so the Ghana versus Argentina match that you mentioned I mean that was a love and hate moment in the history of football it was like you can love Suarez for it 
you can hate Suarez for it, but that was a knife through the African heart. For the first time in the history of World Cup, it was being organized in uh, and the continent of Africa, in South Africa. And uh, like, right, right. Uh, and uh, we all remember the goal that Shabalala scored in the inaugural match of that World Cup, which we all remember as that noise of Vuvuzela. Yeah. And that goal was uh, that goal was termed as it was scored by the legs of Shabalala, but it was Africa who scored actually. And to end the dream run of uh, Ghana in that World Cup, it Asamoah again the penalty heartbreak and the Suarez celebrating those moments are just uh, part of the history now, but. In some ways, if Ghana could have beaten Uruguay that night and progressing to the semi-finals for the first time in the history of the World Cup, that would have been a great uh, success story, a feather in the cap of Africa, which didn't happen. Yeah, yes. so I, I just want to quickly ask you both. So, do you support Suarez's act? There are we all know there are two sides of the story. There are some people who said Suarez was right. And then, then were, there was a, people who said Suarez is a disgrace to the game. Which due to his continuous efforts in the game. So, so I just want to ask you both. I'll start with Orko first and go, with, go to Rohit next. Do you think Suarez was right? Yeah, I would, but I would want Rohit to answer first because he is a Liverpool fan and Suarez is the <laughs> great. How, how can I forget that? I was dreading this. <laughs> to be honest, uh, to, to be honest, uh, I hated Suarez that night because for me, that was the moment which I thought would finally uh, elevate Africa into, into, you know, into global football. Uh, I mean... It, it was like even today when I think of it, I was rooting. So me my young, and my younger brother both, we were rooting so hard for Ghana to win that game. And I remember that game very well because uh, it's been termed as one of the greatest games in history. Like there is still a lot of argument to that. Uh, but the, right. if you think of that game, there was pretty much everything. There was a home country who was, who was rooting for uh, the, their team to win. Uh, and qualify for the semi qualify into the semifinals for the first time in history. Then there were there were so many missed chances. There was Diego Forlan who was at his peak and single handedly carrying Uruguay. And then there was this relentless uh, wave after wave of attack by the Ghanaian team. And they were flying along the flanks. There was Kevin Prince Boateng. There was Andre Ayu and. Uh, Asamoah Gyan and all these guys they were at their prime form so that was like a golden moment for Africa I mean it was brewing up to something uh, very special and to see them lose their moment with that hand it, it just made it, it it just made me hate Suarez until he signed for Liverpool <laughs> so I'll be very diplomatic that <laughs> yeah but but for me it's like uh, it was one of those that 
child in you reacted moment i mean yeah. that amount of madness if it didn't ex- exist in football we wouldn't be loving this game so much absolutely but in spite of all, uh, that we say about suarez but for me it's like yeah it was a thing one should do for a country's dreams to go through to the semifinals absolutely that's for because i think this reminds uh, us of a very familiar incident uh, rohit i just want to tell you and i'm sure uh, when i finish this story you will you will be laughing like anything so there was a match uh, i and orko used to study in the same school okay so uh, and we both were uh, there was a intersection tournament so the school was having it so we both were playing for class 12b so uh, and uh, uh, me and orko were in the same team and we were a pretty strong team and we were play- playing against class 12c and uh, what happened is we were 0-0 and we were much stronger team but suddenly uh, class 12c uh, started attacking they had only two good players in their side as compared to us so suddenly what happened they pulled out a counter attack okay and the captain okay. and, and the captain in our side saw that suddenly there was a player who was going past him and there was no one <laughs> what he did is he decided to stop the ball with his hand <laughs> and, and, and he stopped it because we all it, it was a seven aside tournament and uh, the goal he left the goalkeeper and the captain so all five of us five of us were in the opponent's half and there was a counter attack so he was all alone and, <laughs> and he decided to stop the ball by his hand and we were sure that it was a red card right. <laughs> and orko realized the situation and orko suddenly and orko just went bizarre he just ran past his captain and started abusing him i i, I can't do this in this podcast but i can tell you he abused quite a lot and said don't you know the basic rule of football is to is not to touch the ball by your hand why the hell you touch the ball by your hand this was orko's basic question and suddenly the referee came and pointed a red card which we thought was obvious yeah but it was not obvious it was not obvious because it was not shown to the guy who actually did a handball <laughs> it it was shown to orko for using abusive languages on the ground <laughs> oh god <laughs> this, 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 this is by far a most hilarious incident that happened to my mind even orko did remember it uh, remembered it i i actually reminded him uh, around 10 days back that is hilarious And you know what you know what honestly i i thought for a second that because the, the way this story was going i thought the referee was going to show the red card to the striker for going past the captain <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and 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 now now i'm coming to the last part orko was called back 5 minutes after he was shown the red card oh, and the referee said and referee said i'm forgiving you <laughs> oh man school football was the best and and football and, and and in this context i would like to say that 
that i have handled the ball once uh we were we were playing against our arch rivals like sacred art against so sacred art was my team school team we were playing against our arch rivals father agnels and what happened is uh, we were very unfit uh, in that season like we didn't practice much we used to just hang out because it was a final year of school and we thought okay i mean we we don't need any practice right you you get to that point where you think you're invincible uh so and and in in this peak physical condition our uh, center back decided to play a high line so i was like i <laughs> there are there are two wingers who are probably <laughs> like 10 10 steps faster than me how the hell do you expect me to backtrack if they go through me and my cb said do whatever you can just just stop them and so i decided to stop the ball with my hand once <laughs> what a moment for everyone of us yeah yeah but my yes my you have a lot to say to you after hearing this episode <laughs> well in this in see, like i said that game was so intense that in that moment you you end up doing something something wild like that and i think that is the moment which made this game so memorable of course there was heartbreak for ghana there was heartbreak for africa but the the reason why people remember this game is only because of uh suarez is because of the hand of suarez and everything yeah. that followed yeah. after that incident also the other day orko was telling me that uh, this is because this is just a love for your country you want to do for your country you lost everything but only thing is you can save your country is by stopping the ball by your hand and and at least uh, let let him uh, have a go in penalty so so suarez did what uh, what was possibly best for his country correct so when it comes to a country you know, you know there, there is nothing good or bad so Uh, in that case i think we should give a benefit of error to suarez now also we 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 have to acknowledge the fact that the subtlety with which suarez did it i mean at first no one actually realized what happened until the red card was shown yeah it was the referee took time to realize what had happened yeah the whole the whole sequence happened so fast i i literally thought that it hit the post and came back Uh, right. But then, when people started, like all the the Ghanian players started arguing with the referees, I realized that there was something wrong. And when I saw the recap, it was just, I mean, of course, I was clearly insinuated by the fact that a goal was disallowed. But uh, then again, there was a moment of elation because there was a penalty, and Asamo Gyan was in prime form. But then, when that ball hit the post, that is like that was it. So there are moments in in a football game where a game can just turn on its head. You know, there are there is a team which is dominating with sixty percent possession for eighty minutes of out of the ninety, and then all of a sudden there is one bad incident. uh for the dominating team which can simply turn the game around and in those next 10 minutes uh the team that is being dominated just turns out to score a goal out of nowhere and win the game so that that is why this game is so loved by everyone because anything can happen at any moment yeah who knows more than me and mayuk france and zidane <laughs> of course yes <laughs> yeah who that and 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 when orko says that who knows better than me and mayuk because orko was in the italian side and i was in the french i was okay. on the french side <laughs> of course of course that was again yeah that that should be an episode on its own that entire game should be an episode <laughs> yeah yeah we we do have a plan and we wish you join us on that i i so, definitely it'll be it'll be great to cover that one too so so coming on to the last uh, last 
which i feel was a was a very hard luck for uh, for any african team was the 2018 world cup i think 2018 world cup uh, japan and senegal finished on same point each with the same goal difference but what really drove japan to the next um, round is the number of yellow cards and uh, and the red cards which uh, a rule which i found completely strange i don't know whether you guys have also found it strange so i would like to have your both of your opinion on that yeah i i read about this and honestly when this happened so again in 2018 uh, because sadio mane was the captain of the senegalese national team of course i would be rooting for senegal uh, uh I remember uh, Senegal had played against Poland in the group games as well, and I was hoping that they win that one. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I think their head-to-head against Japan was a draw, which is why they could not uh, progress based on that. And so it was it was unusual to see that, uh, that there was no clear daylight between those two teams, and yet FIFA decided to go with a completely. new rule that was i don't know it i think it was pulled out of thin air i mean i have never seen a country go through based on yellow cards and red cards uh, right. i i as a football fan feel that yellow cards and red cards are part of the game tactical fouls and technical fouls are part of the game whether they are a bad part or a good part is is a completely different discussion but then Defended. yeah certain teams have to resort to those kind of tactics in order to get gain an upper hand Right, that's a defender speaking. For yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and as a defender, I I, I know, and I know what what kind of uh, we we used to get advice like this from our coach sometimes. Yeah. So in situations like these, we used to get advice from our coach to to do whatever you could to you know break play or. or you know disrupt uh, the flow of the opposition especially when the opposition is much more technical and much more uh, uh, stronger than you uh, so i think tactical fouls uh, yellow cards red cards is a part of the game and uh, eliminating a team based on that just goes to show uh, that there are certain biases against african nations and i'm not just saying based on this game alone or this world cup edition alone uh, Uh, i have we've discussed this in the past that african nations have always been they, you know they've always been uh, uh, given the hardest pools uh, in 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 the most recent memories that i have of the world cup whether it was uh, ivory coast in their prime or whether it was nigeria when they were flying they've always been pooled against the you know the the the, the favorites of that tournament for some reason and i think that that is there that is where there is a bias against african countries i could be wrong here but somehow there there is the you know that uh, that that injustice done to african nations and senegal was one of those examples in 2018 that is probably somewhere i would like to point out rohit that uh, uh, because of the representations from the different continents africa happen um, some team in africa happens to be in a group that there is a european powerhouse and a latin powerhouse at the same time so it automatically becomes the group of death in such mm. tournaments yeah well yeah that i mean I, I, yeah that's the game of uh, that's the law of probability as well right because i think generally right. uh, european nations make up to around 45 to 50% of 
you know the slots and then you have uh, the latin american countries so yeah that makes sense uh, but <laughs> it, it it just it is uh, it becomes really unfair sometimes i don't know i mean i could i could be just getting emotional here <laughs> <laughs> no but to be very honest this is a fact which needs to be examined which i also feel because since the day you told me about this slots thing even i felt that african nations have been left over for years and just like their politics i think uh, even the fifa had let them down for years to come so this is something i feel that uh, fifa should take very seriously and considering the quality of stars who are emerging from africa i think this is a very serious thing which fifa needs to take on note so having said that uh, we have discussed the the biggest heroes as well as the biggest controversies or probably the biggest letdowns of uh, african football so uh, as as you all know that this podcast is about speaking your heart out anybody who wants to be on this podcast we uh, generally have this tendency to allow him uh, to speak his heart out so thank you so much rohit for being on this podcast i never thought that this would be such a bold episode so rohit any comments on that oh i mean thank you guys i mean i like you said i got to speak my heart out and like orgo mentioned at the start of this uh, uh, episode that a lot of people it, it's very unusual for someone to talk about african football like a lot of people root for either uh, the european powerhouses or the latin american favorites right and in most cases it's 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 either brazil or argentina i mean even in latin america so uh, to to put your faith in a country from africa takes takes guts because i get ridiculed by a lot of people when i say that when i tell them that i'm supporting uh, say a ghana or a senegal at a world cup but uh, the the thing that i'm not that i'm supporting is not uh, for them to beat a, a team of high caliber just to get that you know that get that feeling of a david versus goliath uh, matchup but to see a continent progress because i know how much this sport means to that continent as a whole uh it's been going through such turmoil in recent times um you see the influence of players like drogba sala bane on the locals how they are uh, trying to uplift the lives of these uh, you know underprivileged people of our world so so this game the a victory in a world cup will definitely lift that continent as a whole uh on the world stage and that is one of the reasons why i'm rooting for for them i hope uh, the likes of morocco senegal uh, algeria ivory coast nigeria have a have a fair shot in the 2022 world cup i i really hope that they make it to you know the qualifying rounds uh qatar could suit them you know the 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 weather is such it could suit african nations so i'm really hoping that uh one of these countries really make it uh, to you know to the latter stages of the tournament yeah it's, it's very interesting so it's very interesting to have someone who has already put his faith on uh, a continent rather than a country and 
it's nothing to be ridiculed of rohit i mean you have i mean you prove that there is love for football that exceeds everything else and uh, talking about uh, rounding off this episode thank you rohit thank you for your uh, time and your inputs we shall hope to be back with you again someday absolutely and thank you guys thank you guys for having me this was fun this was a fun episode really love doing this absolutely having said that rohit uh, this was an episode of your choice uh, so um, i want to uh, inform all the citizens who had been listening us for the last uh, four five episodes that uh, even if you want to speak your heart out that even if you want to speak uh, regarding your topic which you think needs to be discussed i think this is the platform for you guys because even rohit uh, rohit also informed us that he he needs to speak about africa and african football and that is what we all spoke about today so thank you so much rohit for for i even i know that how busy were you today uh, with your uh, corporate activities uh, but definitely you found, found some way out to help us so thank you so football much football always comes first corporate is you know way back so that's okay <laughs> but thanks guys absolutely the other day i was reading a uh, reading a short tale about football so so it it read somewhat like somewhat like this that bad grades poor increments in office he thought of side but still what kept a smile on his face was, was the beautiful yes. game absolutely absolutely so so i think all of us and we we really love this game so and we would like to have all of you who is in love with this game and who wants to share your your insight on the game so thank you so much rohit once again for being on this show thank you so much for my thank you so much my co-host also so thank you so much so with this we are signing off with this episode i hope you take very good care of yourself in this quarantine period